0: Welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in and we hope you enjoy this message. I'm excited about this theme that we are on, this journey about healing and um it's 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 more than the three messages I'm sharing on, and I'm really excited about that. Other people are talking about it, but for me, there's just a three-part uh, message series in the middle. So this is part two of a three-part series. And please, if you didn't hear last week's message, today I'm building on the stuff that I shared on last week. So um, get the just look on our website um, or YouTube. Just Google Renew Church New Zealand, you'll find it there. Listen to the podcast or watch the video. Um, It's really, really important as we believe that God is doing something new and exciting in the whole realm of divine healing. Um, And that's not just me saying that a lot of people are believing and feeling that there is a season coming um, where we start to minister again in a fresh power of the Holy Spirit, especially for healing. Um, And we've always known that God's a healer, but we've got to understand most of the time He, He heals through us. And not just the leaders and the pastors, it's all of us. So that's what I'm excited about, equipping the saints for works of service. And I'm not going to do any other sort of recap um, about last week's message, although I did some biblical teaching on God the Father and how God the Father relates to healing. And this morning I'm going to share a little bit, first of all, about Jesus Um, And and it gets some great teaching, because when we get good, balanced, biblical, spirit-filled teaching, it does release and build faith in our lives. Um, So that's important, having that foundation. So we're going to be looking at um, Jesus this morning, specifically how Jesus related to healing. So this is point three, um, if you take into the, the first two points last week, so you've got to listen to the podcast. Number three, Jesus healed the sick. Uh, why is, uh, should healing be a big deal to us? Because Jesus healed the sick. Do you know, it's like 19 point something percent of every verse in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John specifically relates to a healing story or a deliverance story. Jesus healing the sick, almost 20%. Yeah. So we cannot ignore the fact that Jesus healed. That was a significant part of His ministry and He gave that ministry to us to continue. Like There are so many Christians and churches, uh, unfortunately, and they talk about Jesus and how great uh, He's God and He died on the cross for our sins, but His three years of ministry, like 20%, that's a lot. And if we are modelling our life after the ministry of Jesus, there should be a significant proportion of our lives actually involved in praying for people and believing that God's going to do incredible things through us because we are filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, we, we can't be let off the hook. And uh, so this morning, I apologize. Well, I'm not really going to apologize, but you are going to probably feel uncomfortable, and that is a good thing. Like, spirit-filled provocation is a good thing. So I'm excited about that this morning because, man, I've been provoking myself all week. And, uh, you know, it's... It's a challenge for me because, you know, I I love praying for the sick, but healing and deliverance isn't like a a hallmark of my ministry. Like I love teaching and preaching, uh, but the, the, the challenges and the temptation is, well, I'll just stick to what I'm good at and I'll leave the healing and that sort of ministry to the people that are anointed for that. Um, so I started to get a little bit down. It's like, well, who am I to start preaching all about healing when it sort of does happen, but it's not like a significant, I don't see every person that I prayed for get healed. But I'm not at liberty to just preach on the parts that I like in the Bible or the parts that I'm, I'm good at. Like I could just focus on, wow, just preaching, that's great. You know, the 12 disciples and the larger community of disciples with Jesus, they were so different, but Jesus commanded them all to go and heal the sick. Like all of them, this is part of our mandate. This is part of our call as disciples. Yeah. Every single one of us. Yeah, that's true. Feeling uncomfortable yet? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus healed the sick. One of the most compelling reasons to pray for the sick is that Jesus healed many. If he is our model of faith and practice, we cannot ignore this healing Ministry. I want to read Acts 10, verse 38, and I love this verse. In my opinion, this is like a summation of Jesus' three years of ministry. You know, we know that Jesus is alive, but if he had an epitaph, I think this would would be his epitaph, you know, his tribute in one sentence about his life. Acts 10, 38. This is Luke who records this. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. It's a phenomenal verse. Just without unpacking that, that is a phenomenal verse. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. I just wanna unpack that and just bring out a few things that are really important this morning. First of all, Luke, refers to Jesus as Jesus of Nazareth. Like he emphasised Jesus' humanity. Now Jesus is called a lot of things in the Bible, the Son of God, we know that Jesus is God, Emmanuel, God with us, Um, Messiah, which means the anointed one. But in this instance, Luke specifically calls Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. Why did he do that? I really do believe, my opinion, that Luke was highlighting Jesus' humanity here. Now, I'm not like, God, Jesus is God, absolutely. But He came to earth and He lived as a man. Like, it's, it's a mystery how, how Jesus was all God and all man at the same time, but He was. And He chose to minister out of His humanity. I love how this, this person puts it. The Son of God assumed a complete human nature with all its limitations, but without in any way surrendering His divinity. So, that he might serve as humanity's representative, substitute, and example. So, we're faced with with a couple of decisions or choices regarding this. And you're not gonna lose your salvation if you believe one or the other, but it will absolutely affect how we minister and how we do life. So, we can choose to believe that, that Jesus did miracles as God, as all powerful God, we know he was. But if we choose to believe that, that he, he ministered just as God, then it lets me off the hook. It's like, well, there's no way I can pray for someone and, and, and see them heal in the name of Jesus because I'm not God and, and Jesus was God and so he just did all this as God. Um, so that leaves me off the hook. I am excused now. I can just become a spectator of what Jesus did and I don't need to take responsibility at all because God's God and he's, he's awesome. But... If Jesus did his miracles and he chose to do his miracles as a man yielded to his heavenly father and anointed by the Holy Spirit, which this verse is implying, then I am so challenged because I'm no longer left off. I can't be let off the hook. I can't use that as an excuse because I know that Jesus set the example and we are called to follow in his footsteps. And if Jesus was able to do this, although He was all God choosing to minister out of His humanity, how did He do that? Being close to the Father and being filled with the Holy Spirit, then that's available to me as well. Why have we settled for the bar so low when Jesus has left us a model of how to, how to minister, breakthrough and healing to this broken, broken place and such power it is available to us? Jesus showed us how to do it. Jesus of Nazareth, God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power. You know, we think of anointing means it's like, well, you just get some cooking oil when someone prays for you for healing and they dab it on your forehead and that's anointing. That the Bible, that the specific um, Bible translation or the, the meaning of how they did it was more like rubbed all over your body, smeared everywhere, completely covered. Sort of more like, You know, when you put sunblock on or when you put bug spray on, like it's all over your body, you rub it all in, you like lather yourself up if you're anything like me and you're like, if you don't do that, you get sunburned within five minutes. So and there's a couple of things with that. First of all, everyone can smell that you've either put bug spray on or you've got heaps of sunblock on. And secondly, it makes a difference. So when we are anointed by the Holy Spirit, first of all, everyone should be able to notice that the Holy Spirit permeates our lives, that He's covered everything we are and have and do. True? That's the first point. I can't quite remember what the second point was, but that was a good point. Um, Oh yeah, that's all right. And, And secondly, the Holy Spirit in us and through us Definitely, people will notice that and God will do stuff in our lives. He works. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. That's an interesting Bible study. If you go through the, the Bible and you, and you look at when Jesus, uh, God specifically told people, I am with you. Usually, most of the time, God said that when he gave his, his children, um, his, his his servants, a specific task to do that was completely impossible. Like when Moses, he calls Moses to go and deliver his, his people out of slavery in Egypt. Like that's an impossible task, right? But then God says, I'm with you. Um, he said the same thing to Joshua, leading a whole new generation of uh, Israelites into the promised land, like fighting giants and like, and he said, well, this is impossible, but I will be with you. Gideon fighting a huge, vast army with us, just 300 people. God gave him an impossible task to do. And what does God say? I will be with you. Yeah. It's like whenever God says something or gives a task to us and it's impossible, He says, you're not gonna be able to do this in your own strength. So I'm gonna be with you. Like we don't really need God until we really need Him. When you think about it, and I think the greatest thing we can do if we wanna grow in God's plans and purposes is to actually just step out of the boat and put ourselves in a situation where we are gonna sink unless Jesus is there for us. I will be with you. What did Jesus say to His disciples? Um, just about before He went to the Father, He had died and risen again. He says, go and make disciples. Then what did He say? I will be with you to the very end of the age. We we know that God's with us and He will never leave us, but I really do believe when He asks us to do something that is impossible, like going and praying for people to see them get healed, uh, ministering in deliverance, something that will freak most of us out. But we know God's called us to do it, and when we step out, He is gonna be with us and we are gonna experience God's presence in a whole new way. That's exciting. Hopefully it's more exciting than it is terrifying. I will be with you. I think the problem is like we we live in such a blessed place and living off the blessings of previous generations that that really do we need God most of the time. And a lot of people probably don't think they need God because they aren't close to Him and they aren't planted in local churches. But when we start understanding that God's got a call for us, every single one of us, and we can't do it without Him, man, we really do need Him. And then we, we get propelled into this incredible new relationship with him of desperation and closeness and, uh, and intimacy with him. We need God and God will promise us when he asks us to do things impossible, he's going to be with us. So Jesus ministered by being empowered by the Holy Spirit and being close to the Father. Like if he ministered just as God, he wouldn't have needed being the empowerment of the Holy Spirit but it's just another, um, I guess, evidence in my mind anyway that he did this, all uh, oh God, absolutely, but he chose to minister as a man being empowered by the Holy Spirit, being so close to his Father. And that's how he did it. And every single one of us can do that. We can be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We can not just be covered by, by, with the Holy Spirit, but he's been given to us that we can carry the Holy Spirit wherever we are. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost carrying God we have the holy spirit and we have power and secondly ministering because we're close to the father we can be so close because of what Jesus did on the cross there is no longer any separation we can be as close to God as we want to how did Jesus do that by those two things he was filled and covered with the holy spirit and he was close to the father john chapter 5 and john chapter 8 says some incredible things that Jesus only did what He saw His Father do. Now, I don't understand how that works, but I'm just gonna take it as face value. He was so close to His Father that He did what God told Him to do. And it said He he said what his, His Father told Him to say. So how did Jesus heal people? He healed everyone that came to Him in faith. Every single person that came to Jesus in faith was healed. That's how full of the Holy Spirit Jesus was. There is no limitation of how full of the Holy Spirit we can be. And every single person that Jesus went out to specifically and healed them were healed. Why? Because He was so close to the Father. He knew the will of the Father so closely that He had the faith to just say, well, you're sending me to that person, Father, okay. And we can have that relationship. Again, for from, from my life, it's like, why have I set the bar so low? That I can just step over and say, sweet, I'm an awesome Christian, like doing cool stuff as a pastor. And um, yeah, I can settle for maybe one out of 10 people, maybe getting a little bit of a healing. Like not the full on sick people, but maybe someone with like a bit of a headache. Great. When Jesus has left us an example and we are called to follow in his footsteps. And there is so much more. Like there's no condemnation in this at all. That Jesus is just saying, Simon, there's so much more. Like I've done it all. Just lift your lift your eyes a little bit, believe for what can be possible because I've done it all. So that's exciting. It's really exciting. So, first of all, Jesus healed the sick. Secondly, Jesus commands us to heal the sick. In Matthew 10, verse 8. This is when he sent out the disciples. Jesus said, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you have received. Now, some people will say, Well, this is just for the disciples back then. So, again, I'm let off the hook. I, I don't need to do this because that was just for those specific disciples a couple of thousand years ago. But we are all called to be disciples. And again, if we understand the the context and the intention of Jesus here, we know that He was giving the same commandment that He did to them, to us. This is what I've called you to do in 2022 as Renewed Church. Do the same thing. Continue my ministry of reconciliation and restoration. I've given you my Holy Spirit. You can be as close to the Father as you want because of what I did on the cross. Wow. In John 14, verse two, I tell you the truth, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father again, people say, well, that's just like his, his sort of ministry of helps. Like, no way, we can't dilute what the Bible says. Jesus did help. And and that was one of what He did, but He also healed the sick. He also cast out demons. He also brought breakthrough to people's lives wherever He went. And He's saying the same thing. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in Me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. This is open to us. This is achievable because of what Jesus has done. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for a diluted gospel because this is so incredible Matthew 16 verse 19 actually the the verse preceding this when Jesus is talking to Peter he says I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against We we love that verse but the very next one he says and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven I used to sort of think well Jesus blasted all the prison doors off and, and we can be free and that's sort of true but when you look at the biblical analogy of a key especially when it comes to deliverance and freedom and liberty and breakthrough, Jesus has given us keys. So whoever has a key, you have authority because like hopefully you have keys to your house, you have authority over your house, right? And your car, you have authority. But what do we do with a key? We need to possess it. We need to grab a hold of it, right? And you're like, okay, I've, I've got this key, sweet. I've, that door's gonna be unlocked over there. Like it never's gonna be unlocked unless you actually take possession of that key and get that key in that lock and turn that lock and that lock is open. Like Jesus has given us the keys of the kingdom of heaven. He's given us the keys. And it's like, Simon, I've, I've given it all to you, you've got it. Like why aren't you using those keys, man? So to do that, we actually need to be Proactive. And we need to understand authority. We need to understand that we have a key that will bring breakthrough and we need to learn how to use those keys to unlock and free, not just ourselves, but broken people because Jesus has done it all. Like Jesus died on the cross and He said, it is finished, so freedom and breakthrough is available, but so many people, even as believers, still don't live in that freedom. Isn't it as simple as like, well, understanding and getting that deepening revelation that we've been given authority, we can unlock keys now because Jesus has given us the keys. Jesus has given us the keys of healing. Are we learning how to use those keys? So that's the teaching for this morning. It's pretty good. Again, like, let's look at the elephant in the room. Well, what about when God doesn't heal? Because I started this conversation last week and again, well, well, we know that Jesus is a healer, and, but well, what about all the times when people don't get healed? And, and almost always more people don't get healed than people get healed. So how do we sort of navigate through that? Again, please listen to last week's message, but I'm going to build upon that. And let's have a look at Matthew 11, verse 2 to 6. John the Baptist. So John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. Um, he had an incredible revival ministry. People were coming to get baptized for the remission or, or the repentance of sin, showing that they had turned their life around. And so he sees Jesus one day, and prophetically he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He knew who Jesus was. And he had the incredible privilege of being able to baptise Jesus. A little bit later on, John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told him, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen, the blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life and the good news is being preached to the poor and he added, God blesses those who do not fall away or who are not offended because of me. John the Baptist was in a prison and yet he was hearing stories that Jesus set the captives free. And so in his situation, it's like, well, maybe this is what's happening some other place, but it's absolutely not happening in my situation. I'm in a prison. I'm in a pit. I'm like, this is not good. And because of his disillusionment and his disappointment and his specific experience, it started to get send him down that that trickle, that trap of thinking that Jesus was not who he was. And maybe John was tempted, and he was, to change his theology about Jesus. That maybe he should be looking to someone else because the the Messiah would would set people free, that the Messiah would heal people. And so John's disciples, obviously they they could visit John in prison, but they went to Jesus and they came back and they had seen some incredible things. And Jesus says, well, Maybe it's not happening in your specific situation, but the lame are walk, walking, the blind are seeing. And then he said, blessed, or, blessed are those who aren't offended when they can't work me out. And I think that's a huge key for us. When we are living in a time, maybe our own situation, and we've been believing for healing perhaps for so long and it's just not happening in our situation, we are so tempted to change our theology so, well, Jesus says he's a healer, but I'm not seeing it in my situation, so, so maybe he's not. Or maybe he's given me this healing for a blessing or, or whatever. But Jesus is saying, just look a little bit further. Now, I spent some time on YouTube last night and you gotta be careful what you watch because there's this crazy stuff on there. But there are so many legitimate, verified healings happening all over the world, all the time, right now may not be happening in your situation, but they are happening all the time. When we went to visit um, the churches in Fiji, I got talking to a couple of Fijian pastors, asked them to, to tell them my story, uh, their story. And uh, they said, well, we used to be devout Hindus, but we got sick and no one could heal us in, the, in our religion. So we, we had heard that Jesus could heal. So we, we, we called for someone to, to pray for us in the name of Jesus. They got healed, the whole family's got healed, now they're pastors. Uh, This is happening all the time, all over the world right now. Let's open our eyes. Let's not get disillusioned and disappointed if we're not seeing God doing something specifically in our situation. Let's look further and have faith to believe. But the the truth is actually God is doing things all the time anyway. We may be not aware of it. If we could just like have a show of hands right now, if you have specifically experienced uh, either a healing or you know, a freedom for addiction or a miracle in your own lifetime and you know that it was Jesus that did it, if you just wanna raise your hands, like everyone just look around. Look at how many of us have experienced a supernatural, keep your hands up. Uh, also raise your hand if you know someone that's close to you um, and your family or friends, keep your hands up um, and you know that they've experienced a supernatural healing or a miracle and you know they're not lying, put your hands up. Like, it's almost all of us. God is, you can put your hands down now. Isn't that cool? Like, I was thinking, God, should I do this? What if, like, two people put their hands up? But I knew it wasn't. Like, God is moving right now. We just have to look and and, and, and lean into belief and and not get caught up in disillusionment or discouragement or disappointment because that will kill your, your faith. And the cool thing about what Jesus said, He goes, blessed are those who do not fall away because of me, or blessed are those who are not offended. If you are going through something and you just can't work God out and you don't know why you're not healed, and if you still just dared to believe, well, Jesus, I'm not understanding this, but I'm gonna continue to believe for healing um, because I know you're a healer. I'm gonna keep a sweet spirit. There is such a huge blessing that God has reserved for you based upon this verse. So what's the takeaway this week? Like last week it was start to pray or grow in compassion. Today it's simply cultivate faith for healing. The Bible talks about faith is like a seed. And the Bible is very specific when it relates a spiritual principle to something tangible that we know because the characteristics are the same. So what, what's the big deal about a seed? Like a seed will naturally grow into a tree. Like that's what its purpose is that it will grow. God's given us all a measure of faith, even if it's tiny, like a mustard seed, which is like the smallest known seed at that time. So no matter what seed it is, it's, it's purpose to grow. Our faith will easily grow if we do a couple of things. We, we immerse it in the right environment and we cultivate it. How, does, how do you grow a tree from a seed? You immerse it in good soil, healthy soil, and you cultivate it, you tend it, you look after it, you water it, you make sure it's got sun and it will grow. How do we cultivate faith for healing? Immerse yourself in faith-filled environments and, and, and cultivate Faith, we went to an incredible conference last week in the city, Phil Pringle from C3 came and it was open to leaders and, and pastors for um, Wednesday night, Thursday morning and people were so excited to be there and you could feel God in the room and like, that's a faith-filled atmosphere. Like Sometimes you can read a whole lot of stuff but a lot of time we just need to get ourselves immersed into good, in a good and faithful environment and we catch something. And, and it's the same with our lives, you know, depending on what we watch or what we don't watch or what we listen to and the friends we hang out with. every like, Obviously, church, a faithful church is one of the best places uh, to, to grow your faith, cultivate your faith. But it's, is it a, is it, could it be as simple as that? I, I believe it is. A couple of um, examples from the Bible. I'm not gonna read the whole scriptures because we're almost out of time. But in Mark 6, it talks about how Jesus went to a synagogue, which is sort of like the church of the day. And and he started preaching and teaching, and and people got offended at him because they were familiar with him, and they knew who he was as a kid, and they took offense. And it says something very, very specific. Um, And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Now, I preached about that one morning, many, many years, like ten years ago, and someone came up to me so angry at the end of the service. I almost was thinking, "Man, are you going to punch me?" Like he was that angry, and and he was saying, "Well, what are you saying that God can't like Jesus? God, he couldn't do miracles?" And I was saying, "Well, let's read what the Bible says. It's very specific. And again, I can't work that out, but I do know something that in the church of the day, it was so filled with unbelief." It was like a faith-deprived environment that, that Jesus could only, maybe only a few people decided to come and get prayer. I don't even know how that worked itself out. But, and again, have, have, we, have we set the bar so low? Like if every week a few people got healed, we would say it was revival. Jesus calls it unbelief. And then one more example in, in Acts 2. 16 Paul and Silas get thrown into prison for preaching the gospel, and, and they decide to change the atmosphere by praying, being faith filled, and singing worship songs. And there is a faith filled atmosphere, and God does an incredible thing like there was more faith in a prison than there was in a church, based on those two. And Jesus was in the church. We can, we can change the atmosphere. We can cultivate the atmosphere. We can build the atmosphere. Oh man, I pray that, that Renew Church is a place where faith can be cultivated. And faith is grown and, and we come expectant. And we lean in to belief. When, when Mary was told by the angel that, that she was going to have a baby, it's like you could either choose to believe that or not. Um, maybe it was a stretch for Mary, but it says she, she, she chose to, to believe and said, well, everything you've said may come true. But with was it Elizabeth's um, husband? When, when, when the angel said the same thing, he, he stood in a posture of unbelief and then he was judged and he wasn't able to speak for nine months. So when we're, when we're faced with um, a promise by God that is seemingly impossible, we've got a decision to make. We either lean in to belief and, and it's okay to be maybe a little bit sceptical, but it's the posture of our heart. Lean into belief. It's like, I don't really understand this and I'm not seeing it in my situation, but I choose to lean into belief or we can resist belief and then carry unbelief in our lives. Whew. Let's have the band up. and we're going to sing a song soon. Just want to finish with Acts ten thirty eight 38 again, and this is what Luke, the writer of Acts, said about Jesus. You know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Like, wouldn't that be the greatest epitaph that we could have for our lives? And that is possible. Just imagine this. If people said, and you know that God appointed Polar, anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing people who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. And Eddie and and Anna and whatever your name is. Like, that's the invitation. That's the invitation for being disciples and going and making disciples. I think for so long, it's like, well, we've, we've called church a great church when a lot of people come along, but you can be sitting in church for 25 years and hear a whole lot of great sermons, but never really activate the call of God in your own life and accept it. So moving forward as renewed Church, it's like, God, may we all have this deepening revelation that we've all been called, that we've all been called to do incredible things for you. Maybe it's a little bit impossible, but you, God, have promised to be with us. You've given us your Holy Spirit. You've anointed us to do incredible things. And as we dare to step out of the boat and follow you, then you are gonna do incredible things in our lives for your glory. We're gonna experience you and your purposes and your passion in a whole new way. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website RenewChurch.NZ.